Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. As we seem to keep saying week after week, we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's a simple reason for that. We are. By the way, there apparently have been talking heads in some media saying that this pandemic isn't such a big deal. Just look at the name, COVID-19. That means there have been 18 viruses in the same family before this one. So such maladies are, after all, pretty common and not such a big deal after all. Except, of course, that's not at all where the name comes from. The 19 refers to 2019, the year that this particular malady was identified and named. Just so we're all clear on that one. Anyway, the virus is still with us, but the pandemic is not the only thing going on these days. There's also the once-in-a-decade event that we call the U.S. Census. And believe it or not, the pandemic and the census are both dealing with a common question. How do you generate data that's important for the country as a whole while protecting the privacy of individuals? The answer that we hear most often when this type of question is posed to commercial concerns is something like, we'll simply take all the personally identifying information out and thus anonymize the data. Not to worry. We'll remove things like a person's name and address and social security number and maybe their cell phone number. And magically, we'll have the information we need to, for example, track people who may have passed close to someone who's been diagnosed with COVID-19, or we'll have the information we need to indicate how many representatives in Congress a particular state should have, or what proportion of people in a particular county are living in poverty, without identifying any specific individuals. You get the idea. Both the technology that's coming online to use cell phones to track the spread of the COVID virus and the information-gathering process that's at the core of the census depend on people being willing to be counted. In other words, people have to trust that their personal information will not be used for other purposes, and they need to be confident that if others were to get hold of the databases that hold that personal information, whether white hat researchers or black hat hackers, that those other people wouldn't be able to identify us and link us to our personal health information or our sexual orientation or a host of other very important types of information that can be of great value to the overall society, but would be very embarrassing, or worse, if tied to us as individuals. Many commercial entities and even some large healthcare systems tell us that the data that they release about us, or worse, sell, is anonymized. The Census Bureau is not so sure. Since the usefulness of the census count depends on people submitting their census forms and filling them out accurately, the Census Bureau is working to develop a way to anonymize data that's designed to prevent re-identification of individuals from seemingly anonymized large data sets. The first question, of course, is, why is the Census Bureau so concerned? Isn't anonymized data in large collections of data, for example, a database of the income of a state's residents or the number of people who've gotten flu shots in a particular county, isn't that data really anonymous? 
Well, yes, in a way. There's no overtly identifying personal information in such a database, at least not at first glance. In fact, it takes some work to actually re-identify someone's identity in a de-identified data collection. But often it can be done. The titles of a few academic papers from the past few years might help to make the point. For example, quote, only you, your doctors, and many others may know, end quote. That one, as you may guess, is about re-identifying health information that has supposedly had personal information removed. Or how about, quote, saying it's anonymous doesn't make it so. Re-identification of, quote, anonymized law school data, end quote. That one pretty much speaks for itself. Or how about this headline? It's not the actual title of a paper, but it's a report about a paper from the cheeky headline writers at the register. Quote, has somebody shared your, quote, anonymized health data? Bad news. Harvard Boffins unmask 100% of, quote, encrypted South Korean records, end quote. You get the point. It takes good thinking and hard work to make personal information really anonymous. The Census Bureau is well aware of the computing capacity of today's machines and the improvements in processing large amounts of information from disparate sources that today's computing power makes possible. In a webinar presented in March of 2020, for example, Michael Hawes of the Census Bureau pointed out that, quote, Every time you release any statistic calculated from a confidential data source, you, quote, leak a small amount of private information. If you release too many statistics too accurately, you will eventually reveal the entire underlying confidential data source, end quote. As an example, he showed tables from several different sources whose data could be expressed by 164 equations. It took two-tenths of a second to solve those equations on an old 2013 MacBook Pro, and thus to reconstruct the identities of the people whose information was in those supposedly de-identified tables. This is a problem that has a lot of people worried about efforts by governments in various countries to try to use supposedly anonymous cell phone data to track the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Some countries like Russia and China have simply made that kind of tracking mandatory. Other more democratic countries are taking differing approaches. There's an effort underway, for example, to enable Apple and Android smartphones to gather information about people we might have come in contact with who were infected, or if we were infected, about people who we have come in contact with. This effort, however, will involve people voluntarily providing cell phone information. Whether mandatory or voluntary, in either case, the goal is the same, to let those who may have been exposed to the virus know they've been exposed so that they can seek testing and can self-quarantine. The problem, of course, is that the more democratic approach relies on individuals to voluntarily download an app, load it on their phone, and keep it turned on. For that to happen, people have to trust that their personal information will be safe. 
Recent surveys in some countries like the UK or the US suggest that less than half the population has that kind of trust at present. Hence, how effective such an opt-in approach will be is an open question. So, is there a way to really anonymize data in census reports? Is there really a way to assure people that their COVID-19 tracking opt-in will not come back to bite them in the future? Good questions. And we'll do our best to report about current attempts to answer them right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. 